Step Right Up, It's Nailed, a Halo-by-Halo Halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. Welcome to Halo 16, Things Falling Apart, or as Meathead called it, Shit Fucking All Up. <laughs> it should have been called that. I like that Which better. I think is a fine alternative title. Uh-huh. This is This is a big one. This is an important one to me. This may be a super episode, right, Jess? Right. Like the broken EP where we did three hours. Oh, God. I don't know if I can handle three hours. It might be a super episode. We'll see. Mm. I mean, it is just a remix album, but I think it deserves it. It's crazy that we're just moving along these uh, halos, but then I realized at Halo 17, it's going to be three episodes. Yeah. Until you get past the fragile, it kind of cooks along. But yeah, you you hit a snag like, and all that could have been. It's multi-part. Anything that's multi-part, multi-disc. This is just 10 tracks. But they're long tracks, and this is a super important one to me for personal, nostalgic childhood reasons. Why is that? You just really love remixes? I just love uh, 90s rave music. Mm-hmm. No, I this I, I've mentioned it on the show before. This is the first one, Things Falling Apart, that in real time I got to be excited for the release of and count the days down to the release of and get it on release day and be super stoked. And I followed along on nin.com when little teaser clips were released and they made me go wild for it. Um, like, Oh, a little bit of slipping away. This sounds amazing. And it was only like the first 30 seconds or so. Um, and looking at all the like little Rob Sheridan things on nin.com teasing it. And, as far as counting down the days, I even had, of course, I was reading the Meathead articles and stuff leading up to it, and I had, someone needs to tell me if this was a fever dream. No, I'm certain it was real, but I, I couldn't find it. A calendar on my wall. I printed it out. I was pretty sure Meathead made it because it was like a joke calendar of November 2000, because this was released November 21st, 2000, right? That's one day before my birthday, one day before I turned 16. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so, wow, talk about formative years. Okay. I was 18. I was, yeah, I was yeah. my freshman year in college. Two-year difference, big whoop. Um, <laughs> it seems very big whenever someone's in college and someone's in high school. Like, I know it's not like if I was 20 and you were 18 and we had met, but if I was 18 and met a 16-year-old at a concert, there's no fucking way I would, like... Oh, okay. That's yeah. weird. The high school yeah. college difference. Weird. Yeah, a little bit. But no court in the land will convict you for a two, <laughs> for a two year difference. Um anyway, excited enough to print out this joke calendar that was from I think it was from Meathead. And I remember okay, so I last night I searched the Meathead archives and I couldn't find the thing. If you know what I'm talking about out there, please for the love of Christ link me to it if if you can. Maybe it does. Maybe it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. But I remember it said like things falling apart Eve, <laughs> November 20th. And then, of course, things falling apart day, the 21st. And then I, I probably like penciled it in my birthday the day after. Mm. And I got this um, as a birthday gift, by the way, from my, my parents. Oh, I'm glad they supported uh, your love my, of devil music. My mom. And she, and it, oh, it does have a parental advisory. Yeah. So I'm holding the one, the one that I got for my birthday, the first one I had was stolen 
out of my Honda Civic. And then, so I had to get it again. The one I have in my hand now is uh, the one I got, the second one I got. Um, it's probably just a few months later or so. And it has a hype sticker on the jewel case for some reason. I think it came this way. It had to have. Um, but it, it now I think it's pretty cool that it has mm-hmm. this original hype sticker intact. In um, not on the shrink wrap, but on the jewel case. Anyway, the hype sticker has a parental advisory. I don't think it was on the <laughs> one that I got for my birthday. So, and it's just like a, re- yeah, it says fuck on it, but it's like a weird, noisy remix album. Like who's, who's gonna, um, who's gonna give it a second look, you know? Mm. They didn't know what it was. They just knew I loved music. Anyway, I was just super excited for it. So, I, can I ask you a question yeah. about the calendar? Yeah. Did you print it out on the good glossy paper and then get yelled at <laughs> for using all the paper and that's ink really like specific. I did? Wow, that's yeah, that's really specific. Is it something from your childhood? Yeah, I uh, when I was like a freshman in, in high school, I wanted to decorate my locker really cool, and so I went online whenever we finally got internet, and I uh, printed out a bunch of pictures of Trent Reznor, um, and I used the glossy pretty paper. Yeah, and my mom was I don't know, I guess she wanted to print out something like a week or so later and hadn't noticed and she called me out in the living room and she was like, Um, did you print out some things on the computer <laughs> using the glossy paper? And I was like, uh yeah, just a couple pictures <laughs> for my locker. And 30. she was like <laughs> she was like, God damn it, Jessica, you used the good paper and we're almost out of ink now. And I was like, mm, Wow. Sorry, Mom. I just wanted a cool locker. Did you have to tell her what they were or did you not tell her the details? I think I just said there are pictures of for my locker. Okay. I, she wouldn't have known who Trent Reznor was oh, if okay. I had said, oh, it's Trent Reznor, mom. But if you said it was Peter Steele, she'd be like, ooh, la, la. She'd be like, you're forgiven. I hope <laughs> yeah. they were those Playgirl photos. Well, I see why you needed so much paper to <laughs> accommodate the length, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a Peter Steele fan. so. But all that to say, when we talk about and rank and rate this album and and critique it, I am biased in favor of this album and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, some people love it. Some don't. Um, I'm going to come right out and say big. It's not even nostalgia bias necessarily uh, because I've been listening to it uh, after not listening for years. And it, to me, it holds up and it, it fucking bangs. Like I was a little worried that maybe it wouldn't be quite as good as it was in my teenage mind. But hey, ask me about the first time I listened to this. When was the first time? I'm almost afraid to ask. It was like earlier this year when we were prepping okay. for the fragile. I'm the biggest fucking poser. Why did you miss out on this one entirely? I was a freshman in high. Uh, sorry, I was a freshman in college, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't think I really bought CDs at this time. I was fucking broke, and I lived in a dorm, and I did work study. And I made like $200 a month, and that's what I had to live off of. And so I was definitely not buying CDs, and I was kind of in like a weird little campus bubble. I wasn't aware even of stuff that was coming out. I didn't have a car, so I didn't drive to like CD Warehouse. I didn't have a license at this time, actually, either. I didn't start driving until I was like 21. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just really wasn't aware of a bunch of big releases. I was just broke and listening to stuff I already owned. And also, I've never been like a huge remix person. Like, and here's here's why. Zoomers now will never understand what it was like to be like an 18-year-old in the 
uh, you know, 90s and aughts, whenever you had mm-hmm. to buy music and it cost $20 per CD. Yeah, and shit. so if you're at a record store and you're standing there and you're like, well, I could get this remix album of shit I've already heard before, or, and I'm not a big remix person, it would be completely for completest reasons, or... I could buy this whole new album by Outcast. I mean, what would you do? You would I I bought the Outcast album. The like, double I'm sorry. album? No. Oh that no, no, that was way later. I was just using an example of something. But okay, it comes down to twenty dollars. I can buy one <laughs> CD. What am I going to buy? Hey, twenty dollars is twenty dollars. Yeah, and it was also like five hours of work. That's another thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think our friend Josh and I, we both used to talk about this, but whenever we were working and we'd go buy a CD, we're like, oh, God, the CD is like five hours of work, you know, because minimum wage is I it's tried, still garbage, but it was even worse then. I put it out of my mind because if I thought about it like that, I would get too depressed. And I, I was working um, by this time, but like I said, it was a gift, so that was a plus. didn't mm-hmm. cost me anything. I was buying my own CDs, but – Mostly the seven, eight, nine dollar used ones at CD Warehouse, but occasionally I'd buy a new CD. But I, I didn't have bills either. I was living with my parents and working and going to school. Yeah, um, I think I had to pay like MSU back too because I don't think my student mm-hmm. loans covered everything. So mm-hmm. anyway, don't go to college. <laughs> it's a crock of shit. Unless they ever make it free, <laughs> drop out go. of school, kids. If you have to take out student loans, it's not worth it, in my opinion. No, fuck that. Because um, even with my bachelor's, it took me forever to find a decent job. And I had to go back to grad school to get one. So got even more in debt. Yay. But re- speaking of remix albums, uh-huh. Fixed was, I think, cooler than we remembered it being. I think we were pleasantly surprised by that one. Mm-hmm. Further Down the Spiral has its moments. A lot of cool stuff on it. Some stuff I wasn't as thrilled about. Mm-hmm. This is the one for me. Thus far, this is the banger. Thus far. Out of all the remix albums. Yeah. You, you you can give your thoughts at the end if you want. You don't have to say it right now, but. I have some. I just wanted to toss that out there. I have some things. Okay. I have some things to pick on. Oh, okay. Well, there's things to pick on. It's not. I'm not like, saying it's perfect. Jesus Christ. Do we need three remixes okay. of Starfuckers? There are one, two, three, four, five Mr. Self-Destruct <laughs> versions if you count yeah, the UK. Yeah, and that's too much too. It's just, it's funny to me that people say three, but. Why Why does Further Down get a pass on all the Mr. Self-Destruct? I didn't give it a pass. Maybe because Mr. Self-Destruct is a more beloved song than Starfuckers, which is a little a song that's not as beloved by the fandom. Well, that and you have theories that this, that maybe Starfuckers was supposed to be a halo, and so yes. was Mr. Self-Destruct. Yeah. I mm-hmm. absolutely think uh, a Mr. Self-Destruct maxi single was cannibalized by <laughs> further down however you want to say it and a starfucker single was possibly in the works and it it didn't work out so they just folded those remixes into this to to fill it up mm-hmm. not that i see them as filler i i do this out i don't see them i see one of them maybe as filler but we'll get to that one of them is probably the worst song on this remix yeah album. i'd i'd agree but it's still Anyway, we'll get there. Worse, but not offensively bad to me. So, yeah. Um, I think this is a case. As far as remix remixes and B-sides, let's, let's be fair. It's not just remixes. Mm-hmm. B-sides, uh, songs that didn't make the fragile necessarily. Songs from those sessions and reworkings by Trent and the gang. 
So should we talk about the album overall? Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, like you said, it was released November 21st, 2000, um, the day after Things Falling Apart Eve, which was mm. November 20th. Yeah, And I, to those who celebrate, uh, <laughs> I, I still put it on the calendar every year. <laughs> he does. We, we have a little party every right year. Right before my birthday, so <laughs> easy to remember. It is. Um, I think it's interesting that this had a ton of promotion behind it. For example... There was actually a website set up for it to promote the release of it. And it wasn't nin.com. It was thingsfallingapart.com. So it's just kind of interesting. Like, I don't think, well, of course, this was like, you know, early, I don't want to say early internet, but it was when people were using, you know, it was more widespread. It wasn't just for rich people, mm-hmm. even more and more people had access. So it kind of makes sense that this had its own website. And also, I mean, Rob Sheridan probably was behind that. The oh, young, yeah. you know. The Dancing baby man himself <laughs> uh, was big early internet adopter, obviously. Mm-hmm. King of the internet back then. Yeah. So on this site, you could find promos um, for things falling apart. There were um, at least two different promos, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, samples of the tracks. So like Blake was out there listening, counting down Just the days. away for 30 <laughs> seconds. You could see the front and back cover artwork. And I think there was promotional artwork on there, um, poster, postcard, and flat. What's a flat? Um, I think it like it's a like a mock-up uh, album cover, but it's just a piece of a piece of heavyweight paper mm-hmm. that has the cover art on it. Interesting. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, whenever you loaded the site, some music was playing. There was an unused remix of the New Flesh, and. Um, an untitled instrumental outtake. Oh, I can play that. Untitled from thingsfallingapart.com. It's the loopy slide guitars that are really ominous. And you can you can hear like the low bitrate MP3 quality. Yeah. Love that. This is actually really cool and I kind of wish... And it's in mono, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would let. This is just like a, a, a deviation, basically. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hypnotic. It's cool. One of the many sketches that didn't become anything, I guess. Super foreboding. The only Nin track I can think of that just goes by untitled in the fandom. And then there was an info section on the website, and it had this text just kind of describing the album. Things Falling Apart contains various manipulations of songs from the Fragile recording sessions. The 10-track disc features new interpretations of Fragile songs by a variety of musicians, including members of Nine Inch Nails and the Nothing Collective. I want to be a part of the Nothing Collective. Ooh. Things Falling Apart also features two previously unreleased tracks, a cover of Gary Newman's Metal from Newman's 1979 album, The Pleasure Principle. Great album. And The Great Collapse, a new song recorded during the Fragile Sessions and completed by Trent Reznor and Alan Mulder prior to NIN's 2000 U.S. tour. Produced by Reznor, Things Falling Apart follows a long line of remix albums from NIN, including Further Down the Spiral and Fixed. Did they say a long line? 
Yeah, follows a long line of remix albums, too. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it covers 1992 to 2000. I mean, you could probably count, like, uh, some of those early some Halos. Some of the singles have yeah. a bunch of, yeah, remixes. Yeah. Okay, sure, whatever. So there were promotional trailers, I kind of touched on that earlier, directed by Bill Casanova and edited by Rob Sheridan. There was a broadcast version that was 30 seconds long, and then a full version for the web only that was 60 seconds long, and I will play that right now. Rob Sheridan reposted it a while ago on his Instagram and mentioned that it was the first thing he ever like directed as an official I think video. Edited. I think the director says it's Bill Casanova. Oh, okay. He took... The lion's share of the credit on this Instagram post, but I won't. Well, I'll let him. I don't. <laughs> we'll let him have it. He was coming into his own. He was like a kid, basically. He was. He was boy genius who uh, was taken up on a on the Nin roller coaster, the dream. Mashup of stuff from the album. thought something was fucked up with the audio <laughs> but it that's how it actually sounds yeah the dynamic range of that is wild yeah that's Bonkers. Too hot for TV. Very, very cool ad, though. Super glitch. That's the the glitch core we know from Rob. <laughs> every like every track was all mashed up in there. What is this nailed podcast? <laughs> Just didn't like that bad comparison. No, it's good. It's good. Sorry, I was thinking about how pretty it was, though. Really, it was. Mm -hmm. It was nasty, but also beautiful. So. Before we move on, I'm going to consider this as part of the promotional effort, even though it wasn't necessarily sanctioned by Nine Inch Nails. But there was a hmm. Meathead Perspective post mm -hmm. <laughs> um, t from August 30th, 2000, titled All Remixed Up, Don't Know What to Do. And I thought I'd read this because it's pretty funny. Yeah. Firstly, please accept my most heartfelt apologies for making reference to 311 in the above title. <laughs> Nice. It's the first thing that popped into my head, and I'm too lazy to think of something better. Anyway, I just received, five days ago, this official press release from Nothing Records about the upcoming NIN Remix record, and I thought I'd pass it along, since you all probably care. We do. For immediate release, Nine Inch Nails changed name to Nine Inch Nails, which is all one word. No spaces. <laughs> no spaces. I remember they were going with that for a while, I recall. Announced release of new remix EP. New York. Nine Inch Nails announced today the changing of the band's name to Nine Inch Nails and the release of two projects this fall, a remix CD and some live DVD slash beta thing. <laughs> Entitled Shit Fucking All Up, the remix record is slated for a mid-October release and features new remixes with the word version tacked onto them and unreleased material with strikingly similar names to songs from Nine Inch Nails' multi-platinum release The Fragile. The as-yet-untitled live DVD-slash-beta thing is scheduled for a November release and features mostly footage of an... <laughs> 
Sorry, this is too funny. Features mostly footage of an inebriated Leo Herrera hitting on girls backstage during Nine Inch Nails' visually groundbreaking Fragility concert tour. Engineer Leo. (laughs) Both projects were produced by Nine Inch Nails' Leo Herrera. (laughs) The band's official website, www.nin.com, will feature exclusive vague hints and information about the remix record and DVD slash beta leading up to their release. The site currently offers a comprehensive archive of blinking squares and shape-shifting blobs, as well as a Fragility Tour archive that hasn't been updated since the Reagan administration, <laughs> and some streaming stuff. Not, not quite wrong. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails recently received a nomination for a 2000 MTV Video Music Award and the Best Video Featuring Disturbing Close-Ups of Trent Reznor category for Into the Void. <laughs> the track is the second single released from Nine Inch Nails' Meathead Acclaimed CD, The Fragile. Meathead Acclaimed. <laughs> For additional information, please contact Trent Reznor. Now, because I'm just Mr. Big Shot with close connections to Nothing Records, he's part of the Nothing Records Collective. The Nothing Collective. He is. Why isn't there a Meathead remix? (laughs) I don't know. I've obtained these exclusive scans of the new remix album. Pay no attention to the ones at NIN.com. They're just a joke. As well as some other info I dug up. So I want to read his track listing. Uh, I've got it pulled up here. It's great. Okay. Into the Vacuum. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Starfuckers Inc. version. The Night the Earth Disappeared. Starfuckers Inc. version. Starfuckers Inc. version. Okay, so are you reading the real one or is this the joke one? This is the joke one. (laughs) Okay. So far it's identical, but okay. (laughs) I'm looking forward to bumping into you at Kmart someday. I'm looking forward to bumping into you at Kmart someday version. And that's the longest one. Starfuckers Inc. version. Of course. Ripe with version. (laughs) Yeah. The way out is through the trunk of my Hyundai. Nice. Starfuckers Inc. version. Metal. (laughs) The morning the world came back, then went away again. (laughs) Like a virgin. Version. Starfuckers Inc. version. Starfuckers Inc. version. Starfuckers Inc. version. Starfuckers Inc. version. Version. (laughs) That's my favorite. The final one. Version. Version. (laughs) As it turns out, it's not really an EP since it has 18 damn songs on it, but let's just overlook that. I know you're thinking, wow, there's a lot of virgins on there, but there's no need to be worried or frightened. The songs are your friends. They are not there to hurt you. Well, except for track 10. I wouldn't mess with that one. Track 10, Blake, which one was that again? The way out is through the (laughs) trunk of my Hyundai. Yes. I had a Hyundai. You did. Here's the rundown on the various Starfuckers Inc. remixes. Starfuckers Inc. version, remixed by Charlie Clouser and Trent Reznor at Nothing Studios, New Orleans. Starfuckers Inc. version, reconstructed by Keith Hillebrandt at Nothing Studios, New Orleans. Starfuckers Inc. version looped over a boring, repetitive beat by Porter Ricks. That one is 28 minutes and 43 seconds long. A man after my own heart. Not afraid (laughs) to say it. Starfuckers Inc. version hummed by Trent Reznor in the shower at Nothing Studios, New Orleans. That one's 48 seconds. Nice. Starfuckers Inc. version remixed by Meathead in Meathead's basement. That one I want to hear. (laughs) Starfuckers Inc. version. The original version of Starfuckers, Inc. played backwards by Trent Reznor while bored at Nothing Studios, New Orleans. Well bored. Starfuckers, Inc. version. The original version of Starfuckers, Inc. sped up two times by Rob Sheridan before Trent Reznor came in and smacked him for touching his equipment at Nothing Studios, New Orleans. (laughs) Early How to Destroy Angels Experimentation. (laughs) Starfuckers, Inc. version. Partial cover by Pearl Jam during one of Eddie Vedder's frequent lapses of coherence. (laughs) Starfuckers, Inc. version, version. Sound clip of Carson Daly talking about star suckers on MTV while trying to sound like he knows anything about NIN. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) That's 11 seconds long. 
Oh. Also, this record features NIN's long-awaited cover of the Gary Newman song, Metal. Hint, the leaked track on Napster isn't real, dumbass. It also features... I want to know what that, if the, <laughs> what that was. Uh, I think I have some info on that. Okay. It also features the not-so-long-awaited cover of Like a Virgin by Madonna. Like a Virgin. Remember that? Who was it that did Like a Virgin? Was that the AV Club? I think it was the, their series where they had bands come do covers. I thought it was just called AV Club Undercover or something. Okay. Like a version is something else that involved covers. Never mm-hmm. mind. But I love that AV Club series. And there was one of Dum Dum Girls doing September Girls. That is so good. And I would love to like Yeah, own that was that. a classic. That was a really good cover. Anyway, big Can't stop. wait till we get the Fragile Trents version. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you're not excited already, get excited, damn it. Print out your calendar. <laughs> Damn it. This fabulous new CD hits stores in October. If you don't go out and buy it, I will personally track you down and introduce you to a whole new world of pain. <laughs> Wait, is that supposed to be Trent saying it? No, this is still Meathead. It's, oh. not, it's not part of the, uh, the gotcha. official press release. That was separate. Okay. So. Very good. Um, I want to thank the Nintern for finding this. This is a quote from Reznor, and he's talking about the remix album. And I think it was an interview he did um, from the Ninterns Notes um, Pro Tools interview. So, Ooh. not like a Pro Tools used to do interview. They, <laughs> they probably still do. I just don't pay attention. For the remix album due out November twenty first, Reznor eschewed. Did I say that right? Eschewed. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. sounds fine. All right. The typical DJ of the moment approach, and instead took the copious ideas that emerged from the album's writing process and compiled mixes from within the NIN camp itself. Has he ever done the DJ of the moment? I don't think he he's just done his his friends and stuff. I know. That's what I was thinking. I think maybe there's talking about like mainstream oh, other, remixes, okay, like other what other artists, artists do, yes, like Madonna yes, or yes. something. Yeah. Madonna, Fat Boy Slim mix, uh, <laughs> Chemical Brothers mix. We have a fairly large network at the studio, and everyone has their rooms they work in at the main studio. When we were working on The Fragile, a lot of times when tracks were somewhat developed or near finished, guys like Charlie Clouser or Keith Hillebrandt or Danny Lohner, guys that were in the band and around the project, would show interest in reconstructing things or trying to take a song in a different direction. So when I finished the record and sequenced everything together, uh, I'm sorry, you didn't do the sequencing, but okay. We all know it was Bob Ezrin, but... Bob Ezrin didn't sequence this. Oh, you're talking about the fragile. Yeah. Okay, okay. So when I finished the record and sequenced everything together and made the decision of what to throw out and what to keep, there were a lot of these things left over. So when we got off tour, we went back and listened to all these things, and it was a pleasant surprise. They were better than I remember them being, which I thought was pretty cool. And I thought I'd make a record that is a collection of things. It isn't the major next statement of Nine Inch Nails. It's more of a breeding ground and collection of curiosities and things that I find interesting that are more geared toward the fan. And honestly, that's really what remix albums are. It's yeah. not something that a casual listener would right. pick up. Absolutely. Because you're going to get very... Con- I think a lot of people did, and people have told me their like entry point stories for Nine Inch Nails. They picked up a remix album first, maybe not even knowing what it was. Um, and then that became like, somebody told me they got the fixed fixed was the first thing they got and it became like their favorite. Can you imagine? <laughs> but it's, they, it's, someone told me that at least one person told me fixed was their favorite. Like it's the first album record. theory, right? First album yeah. theory really holds up. It's also true for further down the spiral. Yeah. So, uh, this was released on CD and LP. Um, and fun fact, a two-track promo version of Into the Void was released in the U.S., but was mistakenly labeled as Halo 16. So, 
Damn it. Yep. There can only be one Halo 16. <laughs> Get it right. I really wish we had this on vinyl. I, I looked up prices and they're not pretty. Mm-mm. But I because I love this one so much, I can't believe I don't have it on Maybe vinyl, in like 20 years there will be a definitive edition. I It doesn't seem like he's doing definitives of remix albums, but you never know. I mean, he can't even finish the, the main LPs, you know? I know. Never say never, I guess. Yeah. Um, so artwork, um, the design and photography was Rob Sheridan. I believe this was the very first thing he did. The first, yeah, the first time he got to actually do the cover, mm-hmm. I guess he helped with the fragile in minor ways. But I think that this is probably my second favorite art from the fragile era. First being this. the day the world went away. Um, yeah. And then second being this. And I think it's mainly... I think it's beautiful and I love the color scheme. Yeah. I've always, my eye is just drawn to and attracted to this color scheme and this art. I loved it from the first time I saw it. Can I talk about the package while I have it in my hand? Yes. I mean, you all know what the, if you don't know what the package, the art front and back look like, look it up. But I love that when you open the CD, now I want to see what the vinyl looks like. But it's, you know, it's super close up macro flower stamen imagery is it stamens or pistols <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since my uh eighth grade uh, yeah, bio I'm a, class i'm not a botanist yeah. but you open up the cd and the the flower parts let's call them the flower reproductive organs very mm-hmm. subtle um they go across the s- surface of the cd itself and um continue on to the back of the cover and you when you take out the CD from the tray, the art is there also below the tray. It's a clear tray. Um, I always I just, loved those clear trays when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, clear but. trays, clear tray superiority, better than black trays. <laughs> they didn't come up with the clear for a while. Remember when all the spines were black and then they came out with clear? Yeah, in it the was. mid 90s. It's amazing. Um, yeah, because then you can put artwork underneath that spine. Um, and then the back has some of that same. Man- uh, same imagery, love the color scheme, loved it so much that um, someone made a pillow for us and all that never was. It, it was a it was a fan that wanted to remain kind of mysterious. I believe the website's called and all that never was. They made the uh, the ninja reproduction CD, mm-hmm. but uh, they do a lot of Nine Inch Nails pixel art stuff and gave us a pillow with the pixel art based on the color scheme of this because I mentioned how much I loved it and it's awesome. So Blake, before we go into our track by tracks, Mm -hmm. our track by track rundown, breakdown, there you go. It's a better word. Breakdown's good for this thematically. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Do you want to talk about the title, uh, things falling apart at all? Yeah. Um, obviously he's talked, he's talked about in interviews and stuff, how, it the sound of it's supposed to be like things coming apart, and that's thematically mentioned. Um, about the fragile in general, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense tone wise, but literary people might have noticed it's similar to that book, Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. Shit, do you know how to say that author's name? Uh, Achibe, Chinua Achibe. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, that that that's right. I read that one a while back in college. Um, it's a good book, but that comes from a poem. For some reason, I always thought it was Shakespeare, but because I'm dumb, that's not it at all. And it's from William Butler Yeats. 
And I have no idea if Trent was thinking along these lines at all, but the poem is called The Second Coming, and I thought I'd dramatically read at least the part that has this title in it. So the poem goes, Turning and turning in the widening gyre. Is it gyre? Gyre? I like gyre. G-Y-R-E. See, this is why... I like that soft G. I like gyre. That's why I'm not a poet. (laughs) Maybe it's Euro... Wait, she's what was not, it? She's not amused. Oh, As, oh, sorry. I was the sandwich. I'm sorry. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Sorry. I was. I was thinking about the Roots album. Things fall apart. <laughs> oh my god! As you were reading this, and I was thinking, don't forget to mention that album. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The sinner cannot hold. And that's the part where Nin fans be like, and they're pointing at the poem. Things mm-hmm. fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. And then it keeps going. The poem's pretty good. It's pretty short. <laughs> but. You know, I've only memorized one poem in my entire life, and I, I can still recite it. What is it? It's called This Be the Verse by Philip Larkin. Okay, say it. You really want me to? Yeah, is it long? Uh, No, not the really. The listeners probably want you to, so go ahead. Let me, let me see not if I long. can still do it. Hold on. They fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by men in old-style hats and coats who half the time were sloppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands down misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. So get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. Yeah! I remember that one. I love Philip Larkin. He's my favorite, like, misanthropic poet. Yeah, good job on the recitation. Thank you. I love the message there, which is fuck humanity. <laughs> like I said, my favorite misanthropic poet. Very, very nin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to take the shine off your poem. That was a beautiful reading. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's it's related. He could have called this album like mom and dad fucked me up or whatever. So anyway, I just saw, I, th- I think about that when I see things falling apart. I think of the book and I think of the poem that the book is takes its title from and i think of the book and i think of the roots album things Mm -hmm, fall apart where they also got their title from that book right that poem is quoted so much the center cannot hold Mm. several different parts of it often quoted i mean it's no philip larkin but no it's okay it's no shakespeare (laughs) which i thought it was for 20 years okay so do you want to take a quick break and then we'll come back and do our track by track yes please all right I did, hope you saved that belch. I did. That's recorded. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Tight. That'll be on a future bonus. I'm going to remix it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Album has a lot of crazy noises, right? Hey, hold on. Do you want to hear? Um, there was an unreleased track um, that I uncovered while we were researching. Hmm. Uh, I want to play it for you. Well, I don't have the track. I just have the name of it. Hold on one second. Let Is me... it closer to the All Burps remix? <laughs> hold on one second. Let me... What is it? Say it louder. I can't hear you. Up, you down, fuck me up. (laughs) (laughs) Up, you down, fuck me up. Um, A really rare unreleased Nin track. It's off of Broken Sessions, I think, right? (laughs) Yes. Sorry. That is actually my uh, littlest niece uh, requesting Uptown Funk. (laughs) But it's like one of the funniest things ever. Ended up sounding more like some Reznor lyrics. (laughs) I just rediscovered that this morning. Sorry. She's got some good ones. My littlest niece is funny as hell. 
They both are. Okay, sorry about that. One of them was on uh, that bonus episode, Reacting to Nine Inch Nails. Check that one out. Mm -hmm. Kids react. (laughs) We played cleaner songs. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Like Down In It, you know, the kid-friendly songs. Yeah, it has nursery rhymes in it, so it's fine. Happiness and Slavery. She loved that one. Yeah, we didn't play the whole thing. (laughs) So what are we doing? We going... We're going to play this MF or? Yeah, let's go. So uh, Slipping Away, probably in my top three tracks on this. Top three. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this track actually has the highest number of streams on Spotify. It has. It's a first track, so not shocked. Yeah. It has about, it has like 1 million, 1 million, 68,947 to be exact. tree. <laughs> Less than two. Shame on you people. Yeah. And that's about 10K more than the second most popular track on this album. Blake, what do you think that is? Metal. Yeah. I think you already told me, but it should be easily guessable because yeah. the the Gary Newman cover of it all. Yeah. So uh, these are the only two songs on this album that have over a million streams. Wow. We need to bump Starfucker's versions up. <laughs> Get those numbers up. Okay. So do you want me to go ahead and start playing it? Comes out the gate with a banger. Drones. Drones are essential to this era, I have to say. It's a drone era. I'm already hooked. From this point, Mm -hmm. I am all in. Building tension like a motherfucker. It's the Into the Void beat. But distorted all to holy shit. I want to know what it's run through. The mutator or some shit. The distortion is wild. More cello. Mm-hmm. You have I... that juxtaposition of the beat with this really lovely cello. So I believe there's elements, because we talked about there was an early build that I called it of Into the Void before the album version. So I'm thinking this remix uses parts that were just unused in addition to the parts that were used, like vocal takes we never heard on the album, possibly mm-hmm. from their uh, demo version. This, this cello I don't think we heard in the, and you know, this guitar strummy stuff. I think a lot of it's outtakes. Really cool vocal stuff is, is being done. But it's like, it's Into the Void made made new in a way. A sequel to it more than a remix or a, a companion piece, a long form uh, jam on Into the Void that works as its own thing, in my opinion. I fucking love this track. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I, yeah, I've always loved it from like beat one. Mm-hmm. I keep slipping Damn, that had me. That had me hooked. This, this funky little shuffle synth is everything, and it's a, a vocal part we don't recognize from, you know, the end of the void that we know. Mm-hmm. So it's either a new vocal or, like you suggested, yeah, an I, unused. I think it's less likely that he recorded something new, as he talked about all the stuff on the hard drives they were just pulling from. Create new stuff. I want. If anybody knows, tell me what synth. Probably the Nord lead again, but what synth was used here? 
I think a lot of it is rearranged. Rhythmically rearranged vocals and lyrics to make new things. There we go. That's the first time we hear the, the fat into the void bass. The beat gets more and more funky and shuffled slowly. It's a slow burn song. The tambourine is back in a big way. I love how the lyrics are super limited. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I keep slipping away, myself keeps slipping away, and then try to save myself. That's pretty much it. And then the wo-o-o's are kind of rearranged. Yeah, and that's some new stuff that we hadn't heard. But I, I can't say enough good stuff about this track, really. I could jam to it forever. Better than Into the Void? Well, no, but that's hard to top. <laughs> yeah. But this is probably yeah. one of the mm, best remixes of a Nine Inch I Nails think this track. is, yeah, uh, top three Nin remix material. Here we go. The Breakdown. Some of the most nutty vocals you'll ever hear. Here we go. Now that's a scream. That big fat drone. It's so distorted. The O's have come back, but they're like rearranged. It does make it sound new, you know, that vocal stuff is so unrecognizable almost that it sounds like something new. I think this is the second longest track. It's like more than six minutes, right? Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't want a second shorter, honestly. Uh, maybe the third longest. I maybe lied. Sorry. Love the it. Start. No, it starts with a very quiet drone. Ends with the fattest, crunchiest drone you've ever heard. Love the way it ends. My main thought about that song and why I love it so much, it it does the Reznor thing of, and that one is by, is manipulated mm-hmm. by Reznor himself, Reznor and Mulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, remixed by the original creators. And I think that that helps it, as has been the case in the past with remixes. But what I love about it is that it does the Reznor thing of, breaking the song down utterly just 
deconstructing. Is that the word you're looking for, maybe? Not as much deconstructing as destructing, mm-hmm. destroying the song um, down to noise, but remains a thing I can dance to mm-hmm. the entire time. That's the magic trick this song does that makes it amazing. It never stops being a dance jam. Yeah. <laughs> it's... But it's it's utter destruction also. Yeah. That is, not everybody can do that. Very few can do that well. No, it's great. Fucking banger. 10 out of 10, no notes. <laughs> That's what I wrote in my notes. It's really good. I don't have clips for everything. I have... Blake's clip corner is not as extensive on this album because a lot of times with remixes, there's less I can pull out. Obviously, there's no stems. I I did what I could. I do have some really interesting stuff for this album, but I definitely don't have, you know, 20 clips for everything. So I think most of this, uh, most of Slipping Away stands on its own, but I pulled out the drums by themselves because I just love that distortion. Then later on, they get funkier. Tambo Trent. Oh, I love Tambo. Love the Tambo Trent. Tambo Trent's one of the best. Mm Got to be one of my favorite Trents. Up there with Sax Trent. (laughs) Then I had to pull out the uh, breakdown vocals. Yeah, the like low past uh, weird thing is one thing, but that scream at the end is so good. <laughs> so much energy behind it. Okay, so the next track is The Great Collapse. So this one, some people might think, oh, it's a remix of The Wretched. It's Or The Great Below. Or, or The Great Below, you're right. <laughs> the Great. I did write down a lot of songs with the. Mm-hmm. And in the history of Nine Inch Nails, a lot of songs that begin with the great, the great something, mm-hmm. the great er good, the great destroyer, mm-hmm. great below. Yeah. So this is actually an original composition. It was recorded for The Fragile, but not used. Um, again, written by Reznor, but this was manipulated by Trent Reznor and Alan Mulder. However, there was additional programming and sound design by Telefon Tel Aviv. So Telefon Tel Aviv. One of the nothing stable, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. So that is a group that uh, consists of... Uh, Joshua Eustace, who will become actually uh, briefly a member of the band yeah. later, and Charles Cooper. And so... And RIP to Charles Cooper. If yes, you. he did pass away. So I believe they're kind of a New Orleans-based group, but they were later based in Chicago. So that's probably how Trent Reznor met them, right? It was just New Orleans group. But I, when I Googled Eustace, I was like, man, he's so young. Like, he's my sister's age. He was born in 77. Hmm. So in 2000, he would have been 23. So just maybe a a little bit older than Rob Sheridan, but still pretty young. Like, how does a young person who's not, like, on a major label, who's not, like, a national, you know, recording act, like, how do they get the attention of Trent Reznor? His wonderkind. 
So I did some Googling, Ooh. and I found an interview uh, with Joshua Eustace from Self-Titled Magazine. Okay. Oh, oh he, Oscar's he here. Oscar loves Telephone Tel Aviv. That's what people don't know. Come here, buddy. Do you love them? He's sniffing my finger, so yeah. He just wants some pets. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so I'm going to read the question from the journalist first and okay. then his response. So, moving on to your time with Nine Inch Nails, you've known Trent Reznor for a while now. Did the two of you really meet randomly at a bar? Was he aware of your music at all back then? Were you a fan of his? Well, I was 17 years old, so Whoa. there was no music worth playing for him at the time. 17. Good grief. Yeah. I extricated him from an unfortunate situation that night, and we ended up hanging out all night on the stoop outside Vertimart. Vertimart. Someone tell me what a Vertimart is. I'm guessing it's kind of like a come and go or a Publix or Publix would be a grocery store. Come and go would be more like a convenience store. The name implies it's like a green grocer or something. (laughs) Maybe. Um, I want to know what the unfortunate situation was. I don't know. Maybe. He saved Trent from a bar fight? What's going on? Maybe someone was hitting on Trent and Trent's like, oh my God, get me out of here. (laughs) And Joshua came up and said, excuse me, I'm dating Mr. Reznor. This is my husband. We'll be leaving. (laughs) Wait, you're 17. What? (laughs) Why are you in this bar? Anyway, uh, New Orleans, am I right? Yeah. Uh, we ended up hanging out all night on the stoop outside Vertimart and just talking shit. Myself, Trent, and Robin Fink. Nice. I was definitely a fan of NIN. The downward spiral had just come out, and it left a permanent mark on me with regard to what I thought songs and sounds could be. It's an undeniably brilliant record. Um, journalist, why do you think you ended up reconnecting five years later? Did you have a personal and musical connection right off the bat? One that made a collaboration seem inevitable? And Eustace says... I don't know if it was that personal, but he was very cool to me when I was young and would always answer dumb tech questions and invite me to shows and all that. Imagine being like, I don't know how to work this shit. Hey, Trent. How do I work Pro Tools? <laughs> and he actually teaches you. Yeah. He got hold of the first batch of stuff that Charlie and I were working on in 99 through our friend Alan Yeager, who had given it to Danny Loner. After that, we were in Nothing Studios in a matter of days. This would have been late January, early February of 2000. Much has been made of how healthy and positive Trent is these days, especially when compared to the mind state he was supposedly in while making The Fragile. You worked on things falling apart around the time he was living in New Orleans, right? How has your relationship evolved over the years, creatively and personally? Yeah, that's exactly the release for which we were making songs. He might have been a little unhinged at the time, more unpredictable, chaotic. Things falling apart. Mm. Always cool to me, though. After that time period passed, I didn't see him much except here and there, and it was kind of a, hey, how are you doing, man? We didn't keep in touch, really. I hadn't spoken to him or seen him in 12 years until late 2012 when I got a call about NIN. So, anyway, Joshua Eustace, 17 years old, saves Trent Reznor in a bar. I don't know what the situation was. He saved his life, so he (laughs) owed him. He owed him a favor. Yes, and, uh, you know, got technical help from Reznor and um, somehow Reznor got a copy of their work and liked it and invited them to create some soundscapes and remixes for this album. Why wasn't, I should have been hanging around New Orleans. I was making computer music in my teens. You should have been, you should have applied to Tulane University. To what? Tulane. It's a college in New Orleans. Do they teach um, No, it's like, it's like, I mean, they might, I don't know, but it's, it's a. It's the um, I think they have a good psychology program, maybe, which is what you majored in. I anyway. studied psychology at a bad college. <laughs> so anyway, that is how Reznor and Eustace met. If anyone was curious, because I was curious. 
Yeah, I never knew that. The only other thing I kind of want to touch on is that there are female vocals yep. on this track. Whispers. Um, that's right. And there is no album credit for the additional vocals. But in an online chat with Spin in 2001, a fan asked if there was a female singer on the track. And Reznor replied, it's not me. So, yes, there is. Let's leave it at that. Check your fragile credits. It's the same person. So it could be Denise or Kim. I think it's Denise. I would agree. As they were dating, she'd be more likely to just be hanging out Mm -hmm. and therefore available to get in the booth, record Mm -hmm. a vocal take. Yes. Kim was for hire. It doesn't seem like you'd have Kim come in just to whisper (laughs) things. You know, she's a professional singer. Right. Like she's got the pipes. Not that Denise doesn't, but. Yes. um, And compare it to the whispers in La Mer if you really want to investigate. Mm -hmm. I would compare the two. But yeah, real quick, never been played live. I think it could be an awesome live jam. Kind of like we've talked about with 10 Miles High. Mm -hmm. It's a bit. It lacks, well, I mean, lacking lyrics doesn't mean it can't be played live, obviously. Mm-hmm. It could be a good starter, you know? It's re- it's repetitive. Um, I think it, it bangs, first of all. But, yeah, I think it would be awesome live. All right. Do you want to play it, or do you have anything else to add before we go into this? Um, no, I think it bangs. Let's play it. Okay. <laughs> Reversed stuff. Again, we hear that a lot in this era. This is one of the coolest little piano things of this time. It's almost like a catchy little little ditty, but also uh, it's fragile and broken in a way, if you will. And it's almost whimsical, <laughs> right? Uh... This could be Inya, that part. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like just what the song needs is like a, a intro. You think it's going to be something soft and sweet, but it's not. The beat. That's just a great beat drop. I mean, what vibes are you getting out of the gate? I didn't get whimsy, so I'm, I'm interested. Okay, that but you th- use this that word. part, this part. You know what? It sounds like it could be a killer score. It's got this like forebodingness to it in this part, to me, anyway. It's Almost more, video gamey. I don't know. There's yeah, something dark about it, and uh, it's more like a Klauser score than a Resner score, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the the industrial grit. But it's just, I mean, it's this killer drum sequence and distorted. I, I always kind of thought. It was some, there was guitar, but it's really just a bass guitar distorted to hell. And then a lot of little sound effecties back there. But the main, the main attraction, I think, is that the beat that goes extremely hard. Little string loop thing is cool. But yeah, pure, pure tension builder once again. could be like it's almost like a song that could be a 
could have been on deviations, right? But maybe it was too good to just mm-hmm. go in the archives, so they stuck it on here because they liked it enough. They're like, let's let's polish this. But like a lot of those tracks on deviations are just kind of a theme that's repetitive and goes for a while. That's kind of what this is, but I don't get bored. I I can get down to it. How long is this one? Not as long as slipping away. No, this one is uh, four minutes and 42 seconds. Slipping away was six minutes and 11 yeah. seconds. Neither overstay their welcome. Little sleigh bell sounding thing here. And the, uh, the bass synth too. Wow, 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 wow. I like that little bendy guitar. It reminds me of Where's Everybody, the end of it. Mm, Yeah, it does. The title makes you think it's somehow related to The Great Below, The Great Collapse. I don't know where it would have like fit into the fragile if it were going to go in there. Yeah, I don't know where I place this either. Also, I'd be interested to know if there were were lyrics planned for this as a vocal melody ever created maybe they didn't get that far this is all it has lyrically yeah definitely not Trent but it obviously shares the wretched chorus lyric great scream end his scream just sustains out until it like dies do you like how it what was your interpretation of what his voice does at the end there it's like his voice keeled over (laughs) and died I don't think it's entirely natural. I think it's almost like a tape slowing down. Yeah, yeah. But I just dig it. And then I like that The Wretched comes right after that, the song to which its lyrics are thematically linked or directly lifted from. There's some audacity there to have those back-to-back, but I like it like that. This album is really front-loaded with bangers, you know? Yeah, definitely. Do you have clips? Yes. It starts with... Backward guitars, here's what they sound like forwards. Just picking around. And speaking of backward stuff, this happens twice in this album, but Leading up to the when the beat drops, there's a reversed piano sustain. As heard in the Queen song, Another One Bites the Dust. You know what I'm talking about? No, play it. It's not a sample. I'm. It's just a similar little trick here. Simple, really reversing a long sustained 
piano chord. Another one rides the bus comes up before another one bites the dust. <laughs> I love another one rides the bus. Hey, he's going to sit by you. <laughs> another one rides the bus. Anyway, sorry. Weird Al geekiness coming out. That's a beat. That right, I, they added like some heavy flange to it too. So a similar thing happens at the beginning of the Great Collapse, but when you uh, reverse it, it just sounds like that. That's cool. Well, it sounds like something out of just like you imagined. Okay, what we all came for, the drums. These ones almost sound more like straight out of the drum machine or sampler more than they do like created in the garage on the beat up Tama kit, you know? Yeah. Sounds really clean and precise. And yeah. Not echoey, but that the kick and the snare, they just go hard. Um, the dirty bass, which is like the main melodic instrument of this track just playing one note the ai you know doesn't split it very cleanly but just the the whole texture of that distorted bass really makes the song um okay some whispers and screams a closer listen on what we think are Denise Milfort's whispers. It's a duet. If, if oh, it's so romantic, right? Now you know this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. Now you know this is what it feels like. This is what it feels He was really at his peak for screaming, I think. He could really scream it and still maintain great pitch. What? Yeah. I was just thinking about Broken. Broken was a great yeah, scream yeah. era, too. But I think he had honed it a little more by, yeah. by now. But yeah, obviously Broken has great screams. And then this, th this I called the Trent Collapse. When his voice collapses, seemingly. The Trent collapse. <laughs> <laughs> just, my mind's eye sees just like a cartoon Trent, like sloughing over and a gust of air comes out of him. <laughs> and then just a husk of a man remains. I don't, what just, is that? I need to know. This deflates. A great song. Another, it's in my notes here, another 10 out of 10 no notes for me. Okay. I agree. Let's go to the wretched version. The wretched, the first version. Uh, manipulation. This one is done by Keith Hillebrand. Why do you think it's not into the void version? I think it stands on its own as its own thing. Yeah. So much so that it like deserves its own title. It almost like reinvigorates into the void, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a good companion 
slash sequel. But anyway, it's almost like made clear that they're playing favorites with that one, having it being track one <laughs> mm-hmm. and not calling it a version, but rather giving it its own title. Okay. The Wretched. It's weird that on some streamers it says remix version, but it's really just called version. Okay. Mine all say remix version on Spotify. Yeah. It's weird. This one is done by Keith Hillebrand. Love Keith's manipulations. Just for, we've, we've loved his fragile stuff in the past with like what La Mer. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. The Fragile, which led to The Frail. Great track record, Keith. More droning. Droning and growling. <laughs> I want to know where that comes from. The brown. What is going on with the... The crackle in the right ear? Well, there's the crackle, but there's also, like, it sounds like a clip of something, like a TV show or something. Do you hear that? A TV show? Listen closely. The static? You don't hear, like, in the static, 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 it sounds like there's voices. Listen. You don't hear a voice there? I will, later on, I will take it out and try to manipulate it a bit. The lyrics kind of come out of nowhere and surprise you at a weird time, I feel like. But still pretty cool. And I like how that the single note bass part is now clearly a bass guitar instead of the that repetitive bass synth from the original. It's got that high pitch stringy thing again. No beat yet, but but when that beat drops, and it will. folks jump scare like you don't know when it's coming (laughs) the timing is weird but great he takes his time I like that there it is I wrote the drums fuck one. I like that little sound too. But no, the, the drums, I I think he's taking from like the final chorus of The Wretched, there are drums that sound more real over the top of the electronic drums, but they're, they're lower in the mix, hard to pick out. I think he puts those center stage here 
love that about this. Form deconstruction. It, this really works for me. Okay, this is cool. Acoustic version of the chorus guitar riff. They've like totally turned turned it quiet. I guess this was an unused, or maybe it's buried in the mix. You hear this acoustic um, again on deviations. They put it at the beginning, and then that the bass being dropped in is really cool too but we're just hearing the whispered chorus lyrics which is interesting they could have called this quiet <laughs> instead of version quiet i guess it's just this part that's quiet but you know what i mean we're hearing the screams like super in the background Those are the chorus drums from the original, but like super low passed. But the filter opens up slowly here. Really cool drums again, but you couldn't hear them that well in the original. Now he's yelling. Drums are really a highlight for me on this one. What do you think? I agree, but I also really like the uh, quiet acoustic part. Yeah. I like this. Stutter. Brant fashion, turn it all to quiet noise. It's like we're hearing the original version with the piano and all, which was not present until now, but like under this layer of quiet distortion. More distorted drones. Okay. <laughs> Things are about to get really laser beamy, <laughs> more than a level I'm comfortable with, but that's the next one. Okay. Do you have overall thoughts on the Wretched version? I like it. It's not like my all-time favorite remix on this album, but it's good. I think long ago, I maybe I even skipped it some of the time, but now I, I, I would never skip it now. Um, I can really get down to it. I appreciate it a lot. Okay, because I love the drums so much. I just took a big section of that awesome drum beat, isolated. So there's cool little fills.
I think these are, if I had to guess, some of the drums recorded in the garage with the PA and all that Klauser spoke about. Love the crashes too. Okay, some whispers. Like on the previous track, those lyrics are whispered, but this time it's clearly Trent doing it. Uh, then the drums at the end, which are also really cool, with the big low tom sounds. And then my favorite part, the stutter break, that they really emphasize a lot more live. <laughs> I just love the big boom sound. I think Trent like does some unintelligible syllables over that. Live at least. <laughs> just so dramatic. Dramatic booms. But yeah, that's the wretched version. Starfuckers Inc. version. The first of our versions. Okay, so this is one thing that annoys me. They're all just version. Blake was like, I don't I'm mind okay it. With that. I just want a little bit of differentiation. That way I'm talking about it. I don't have to say Starfuckers Inc., the one that was manipulated by Adrian no, Sherwood. No, just say Sherwood version. <laughs> so we all we have to do is say the Sherwood one, the Ogilvy one, and the Clouser one. I guess. Just give them different names. Simple. Whatever. I bet they did. I bet these all had working titles and they made a decision. When it came sequencing packaging time to just simplify Look, it all. A decision was made. Decisions okay. were made, people. For consistency, Jessica, you're uh -huh. a tech writer. You should understand this. Mm -hmm. But also, tech writers like clarity. It's a streamlined remix album, and I appreciate that about it. None of this part one, self-destruction, uh, final <laughs> beauty of being numb and all these weird, like that's super inconsistent. Okay. They had different titles. Yeah, but there was supposedly a progression, but it was a, an inconsistent progression in many ways. Anyway, we, we can't. Look, um, it's not technical information. It's not going to kill anyone. It's just a little annoying thing with me. The Adrian Sherwood remix of mm -hmm. Starfuckers, Inc. Uh, you know Adrian Sherwood from the old days. Mm -hmm. Old days. Tackhead. Mm. Um, doing the down in it mm -hmm. mix that we all know and love. Uh, uh, just uh, before, this is like my least favorite on this whole CD, probably. I think it probably is mine too. Probably the weakest, the weakest link. And I've never been a big fan of the Sherwood remixes. Uh, I hate to say it, but well, we'll we'll talk about why as we listen to this. Anything else to say before I play it? Nope. So too many laser sounds. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a ship and I'm being shot at by uh, enemies. Like a spaceship? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that woo. Hard to tell if that's Trent Reznor or mm -hmm. Paul Stanley. Don't know. And then you got these sirens. Yeah. Okay. The, uh... Emergency disaster siren trope 
of electronic dance stuff. Not wild about that trope. Makes me anxious. I don't like it. Yeah, and not in the good anxiety way of Nine Inch Nails. This is kind of like the kitchen sink. We're throwing everything at this remix, <laughs> and especially see, laser beam noises. This happens later in one of my favorite remixes of The Frail, where mm. it's kind of everything's being thrown at it, but it's different. That's the good kitchen sink. Exactly. Adrian Sherwood, I read this somewhere, probably Wikipedia, so take it with a big grain of salt, but described himself as tone deaf and more interested in making noises and soundscapes, and that makes a lot of sense. How would you describe this soundscape? I describe it as hell. Chaotic (laughs) hell? (laughs) I just... There have been good hell-like soundscapes in Nine Inch Nails history. It's true, it's true. I call it chaotic. Um, aimless. It's just it's not the fun chaos of like the frail version, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But a, a little aimless. Yeah. Okay. That that these wild vocals. We're hearing like some of the vocal takes that weren't brought to the forefront because they're the ugliest ones. <laughs> More sirens. I thought I heard like newswire sounds or Morse code, like weird sounds earlier too. Did you hear those? Those little things. With his, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Or sonar beeps. Mm -hmm. He's known as a, he comes from the dub tradition. So just, (laughs) what the fuck? Sound like a Muppet uh, shouting that part. Um, the dub tradition of kind of getting your hands on all the effects and just throwing them on and seeing what happens. It doesn't have to be rhyme or reason. I'm not. It's not my favorite way to do things. I mean, has there ever been something that's a dub remix that you've been like, hell yeah. (laughs) Personally, I haven't come across it. But his stuff, Downward Spiral era as well, gave the impression of almost like improvisational effects use and editing. Maybe that is how he does it, and maybe that comes from the old school way of doing things. I mean, who am I? I I, I can't criticize the uh, Godfathers of, of industrial music, okay? But I can kill your I? idols. <laughs> That's what I, I say. They were never my idols. <laughs> kill someone's idols, whatever. Who cares? It's not. It's not so offensive. I want to like throw. No, the CD it's not. The wall. There, are, there are definitely remixes I dislike more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I dislike this, but it's not my favorite. There we go. That's better. To sound more in the vein of sound experiment, whereas the first tracks we've heard work really well as solid tracks.
it goes on. It goes on for a little while here. For just being a sort of hot mess. More than five minutes. The woo again. The woo and like these kind of dance beats make it sound very, very 90. A lot of this is, is dated and we'll come back to this idea a lot, but the dated like bit crushed. The final thing we hear is bit crushing the hell out of it. But like the dated pew pew blaster sounds and I'm in favor of some of the dated sounds that we hear on this album. I am totally cool with a lot of it. I'm not always going to use dated as a bad Yeah, thing. we'll talk about it more when we get to the Ogilvy version. Yeah. Because that to yeah. me is dated. It doesn't think, mean it's bad. I think he does dated It's great. fun. It's fun. It's way more fun He's than He's an example of doing of dated stuff that still sounds awesome to me. This is an example of dated stuff that doesn't hold up. It's just too busy for me. for me, I think. It's pretty busy. But so is the Ogilvy one and even the Clauser one. Um, like the pew pews and the, the sirens and the, the woo breakbeat sounds like some, sounds like a pre-programmed keyboard thing, <laughs> um, from the nineties. Sounds like something Ross would write on friends when he was in his <laughs> electronic music. Phase. I need to, I need to watch that again and like edit it and mm-hmm. just like put, no, well, someone's already done this meme probably a thousand times. Right. Oh, I've seen like, you know, Trent Reznor written under it, but I've never seen anyone like incorporate sound with it. And I think that this would yeah. work well with it. We need to put. Make a reel or, or something. make it really gothy. Mm. Did you have clips for this one or at all? Oh, uh, hell no. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. Um, oh, wait, actually I do. I think just one. Is it that you're so fucking beautiful? Yeah. Okay. I have to point out these vocals because yeah. what is going on? Okay, two things are going on on top of each other. You're So Fucking Beautiful didn't appear in the, the original song. I'm guessing it's an outtake mm-hmm. for maybe something he was going to try but decided against. Uh, Sherwood dug it up out of the hard drive. Do you think Trent didn't get a chance to be like, uh, I don't like that? <laughs> he probably just wanted to give him leeway to do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, probably. He's like his yeah. sensei yeah. of some sort. Some of that stuff I might have rather stayed deleted <laughs> then the like sounds like a, a muppet with a cold <laughs> it could be two things drunk from the buddha belly bar maybe it could be it, it could be one of the gang i don't know what all their voices sound like the people who contributed to the the buddha choir stuff it could it could be trent when his voice is has completely given out yeah just kind of shot. Yeah, it sounds like someone whose voice is shot to hell. Uh, when I isolated it, I don't really think it's Trent. That's probably not the case. Um, probably some rando. But <laughs> one of the ugliest um, of the hundreds of times the title is shouted, he pulled out the ugliest one. Yeah. That had to have been on purpose. Okay. So the frail version. This might be my favorite oh, wow. on this album. I know that's a big, bold statement to make. That is bold when slipping away exists. Uh, like I said, top three. But this one is, to me, it's more of a reinterpretation than a remix, which I guess you could argue that is a remix, but it, it feels like... It's not a remix at all. It's, it's, it's made from scratch. Exactly. It's 
it takes what the you know the, like what do they call the vitamin string quartet and they mm-hmm. cover all the songs mm-hmm. and I think we play like some pretty hate machine. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but makes it way way more interesting. Definitely more interesting. There's a lot going on. You do have a violin part. I think that's what's playing the main melody and cello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to say. So this was. The production on this was done by Joshua Eustace and Turk Dietrich, and then manipulated by Benelli, who is Joshua Eustace, if anyone's wondering. That's one of his monikers. He wasn't he wasn't <laughs> using uh, Telefon Tel Aviv for this track for some reason. Yeah, he has like a million different side projects and stuff. Is Benelli the name of a collective, like Tomato? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, that that could be the case. It's I I looked it up hard to uh, find... A anything lot of on that anymore. About it, yeah. But violin credited to Steve Hackle. I'm not going to say either of these names right. Cello credited to Mark Mark Paradis. Ah, okay. I'm sure those are both said wrong. But just two two string players, but a lot of good layering there. But yeah, I mean, what is this? It's it's the frail done on strings, but with some a lot of crazy sounds thrown in. Yeah, like we said, this is. The kitchen sink kind of throwing everything, you know. Yeah. But it's done in a way. It's very bonkers. I think that's why I like it so much. It's very different. I don't. It's kind of zany. I don't know how to describe it. It's whimsical. Like the. Did you immediately make the connection to the Fred Willard sketch? Immediately. And I think you the, should leave. Yeah. The first time I heard this, that's the first thing I thought of. I just pictured Fred Willard throwing dishes behind him and pulling various levers to make strange sounds. Yeah. I think the only songs that I'd heard off of this because like i said i never really listened to the whole thing i'd heard um the cover of metal and I've, i'd heard slipping away so the frail this frail version was new to me when i started listening to it and it became something that i kind of was briefly obsessed with because it is so strange i think they had a short clip of this a short teaser clip before it came out and i was like holy shit the frail on really pretty sounding strings i love this and the first time hearing this i this was one of my favorites not saying the favorite, but a highlight of the album for me. Always loved this one. Loved the idea to reinterpret the frail for strings. But back to the Fred Willard thing, <laughs> I wanted, to, I had to look this up. the The meme is on our Instagram account, but he's playing the photo player, which is an organ. It's a mechanized <laughs> orchestra. Uh, for like the silent movie era mm-hmm. where you'd have an organ and a bunch of weird uh, pull strings attached that triggered sound effects. That's what this seems like. Yes. It's triggering all these bizarre sound effects, seemingly at random. I just wanted to get the, what it was called. Yeah, I can't remember. I can never remember player. the name of the, the instrument. I knew it was real. Yeah. Yeah. Photo. It's a weird name, but it makes sense. You you It's meant to be played along to... Motion pictures. Yeah, you can make little weird boing sounds and <laughs> boing, boing, boing. and this uh, remix or this track has plenty of of those. It starts with noise, like tuning up the uh, the strings. So cello doing the left-hand part of the piano and violin doing the right-hand part. 
ingenious. So pretty. Yeah, very pretty. And then gets chaotic, but in a way I like. And then there's a high, high octave added there. And then he adds this, this new part that's like a 16th note string run here. That, mm-hmm. that is awesome, I think makes here it. Here we go. All the sounds. <laughs> slide whistle, an entire sound whistle. library has been dumped on this. I just love the beauty of like the cello and violin and then this, yeah. a slide whistle. It all, it, it's like it would almost get boring maybe if you didn't do something. I mean, it'd still be pretty. I feel like he's just having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Cartoon sounds. Good stereo effects. Yeah, it wouldn't really be differentiated from the string quartet version of the frail without these extras. It has these weird sounds that almost sounds like chewing a little bit. Uh, Mm. It reminds me of there was a 1988 remix of Blue Monday by New Order that has these loud, like weird chomping chewing sounds. (laughs) I hate it, but it reminds me of that. I need to hear that because that's bizarre. Just find it after this. Now we're like glitching out the uh, the strings. I think that's also the shortest track. It's only yeah, two very minutes short. And, and then it ends seconds. again with like the sound of plucking and yeah. tuning the strings. We all love our plucking. A lot of plucks on the fragile. So we love sense. plucks. It's a very plucky. Yeah. Look era. up Blue Monday '88. I, this is the one New Order thing I hate, probably. <laughs> Sounds like someone biting into an apple or something. I hate it. Chomp. It's weird because they're doing the same, like, crazy sounds. Is but it's the donkey? chomping. It's the chomping that gets me. Now I'm kind of wondering if Joshua Hustis was inspired by this remix. Because <laughs> once again, it's all kinds of crazy sounds. That is so busy and chaotic. I can mm-hmm. barely listen to it. There's so yeah. much going on. And I think with that, minute. it's because you know that there's a uh, a much better original version out there that is so good. Yeah. And we, then this, you're just like, need, it didn't need to be why? changed up. Why would they? But now I'm wondering, was Joshua Eustace inspired by that to make the frail? Because there are so many weird random sounds at the beginning of that. It's not just the chomping. Like there's yeah. a bunch of weird ass sounds Sound thrown like in there. Kids yelling. All right. Do you have anything from that that you pulled at all? Um, yes. I hope it's just the slide whistle. I, <laughs> that. <laughs> I just pulled the little sound effects that I thought were funniest. So slide whistle. Mm-hmm. Boing, boing. <laughs> Goes from left to right in the stereo. And then like the whole song stops just so like someone can exhale Sounds like someone making a noise with their mouth. <laughs> the whole thing stops and that's all you hear. 
strange, strange choices, but I, I don't disagree with them. Joshua, get with us and let us know uh, what inspired yeah. you to to do this. We love it. He was on. He's on podcasts. He was on like episode one or something, I think, which is weird. But yeah, it's a comedy podcast, right? Yeah, maybe. He, if he, is he funny? That'd be. That'd I be don't. Cool. Know. I hope he's funny. He's clearly got a sense of humor. Gotta if you're making the, the yeah, frail like that. Doing the boing boings. But okay. Starfuckers version. The Ogilvy version, to be exact. Dave Rave. Ogilvy, your favorite producer from Call Me Maybe, <laughs> uh, Degrassi, other things, and Skinny Puppy. I really like his uh, work with, with Nen. According to Manson, he was just kind of a bum who played video games all the time at Nothing Studios. Sounds based to me, honestly. Look, if I'm getting paid to just hang out with Trent Reznor and play video games, and then I have to work with Manson, I'd be like, Ugh. In In between <laughs> video games, he was doing some of the hardest production you ever heard. So. <laughs> I think, I think Reznor it. himself has even said, if you know, I wasn't always busy playing video games, I could have made double the amount of albums I have by now. Yeah, but what about Quake, though? <laughs> okay. Anything we need to know about the Ogilvy version? I don't have anything in particular. Right. Do you? It might be my favorite of the three. It's a beautiful life. Oh, oh. <laughs> right off the bat, I was hooked by those, that synth patch. I was hooked. I loved it. Don't care if it's cheesy. It's kind of the flavor of yeah. 90s rave music, it's whatever. It's basically a house remix. Yeah, but it's really well done. It's so well done. It, it set apart from all that. I mean, I didn't say it was bad, but it definitely reminds me of like early 90s technotronic yeah, type. Or, or mid-late. Yeah. Definitely sounds like a remix that could have been made almost entirely with the quasi midi revolution 309. And then it goes from that uh, pretty soft synth patch into just destruction. I like that it changes modes a lot, but maintains a solid beat. If you hear a cat meowing, that's not the remix. That's Oscar. I wish more cats were added in. <laughs> and this one has a lot more. This is the only one of the three, I think, that has straightforward, like, lyrical presentation. I like that the bass line he adds to it. Puts it through the robo filter. <laughs> Change modes once again, but I'm still here for it. That's why they call him Rave. I'm twirling glow sticks to this right now, though. Yeah, Blake just took a hit of um, E. Of e, baby. Mm hmm. Great, get to deal with this mess. <laughs> no, I dig this. I still dig it. I 
Okay, listen to what he does with, with the vocals on the next verse. So Klauser chopped them all up, right? Mm-hmm. He chops them up even further. It's like, let's take the glitchy vocals and make them more glitchy. I really like that beat too. and chords it keeps going back to for the chorus. This one's never boring. I mean, it keeps that beat going. This one, longer than six minutes as well. This is a highlight too, because it always had an awesome bridge progression adds a little dance beat to it. You can't see it, but I've got my low-slung, ginormous uh, jeans on. I got a pacifier necklace. Hmm? I got a big Dr. Seuss hat. (laughs) I was going to say oversized hat. (laughs) And I'm dancing around. I like these bass lines that he adds under. This may be my favorite. Stuttered gate. Got a good clip on this later. He extends the don't you, I think, (laughs) by about 12 more don't you's. Hey, remember that movie Fear when they go to a rave? Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking about it. They weren't playing anything this good. No. Hey, I have to go back to a few seconds ago. This is this sounds super old school DJ on the ones and twos. Sounds like he's manipulating the um faders on the DJ decks the mixer that yeah like hand making the beat I sorry I don't know the DJ terms <laughs> by flipping the thing I like the way he does the now I, I belong part too the way it ends on it. on this 
vocal by itself. It's almost pretty. If you could only, if we had to just keep one Starfuckers version on this mm-hmm. instead of having three, would that be the one you pick to keep? Maybe. It might be mine. Although I am also partial to another one. It's a hard choice. So that little, that gated 16th note thing you're hearing throughout most of the end. That right there. I was like, how did he create that? Oh, it's really simple. Um, It's not a synth or anything. What did you think that was? I would have thought it was a synth. Like a synth sequencer. Mm -hmm. No, he just took the guitar riff. I recreated it. So that riff. Mm -hmm. And then I put it through a, a gate sequence effect. Tight. <laughs> it sounds like a, you know, a synth sequence. That's cool. Mine's not quite as good as his, but he has better toys. And this has a beat behind it, so <laughs> that adds a lot. But yeah, let's keep it moving. Let's keep this rave going. What do you say? Oh, then the next one goes hard where is everybody version uh this one has manipulation by danny loner featuring telephone tel aviv a match made in heaven if you ask me (laughs) and production credits are danny loner and charles cooper which cooper was part of telephone tel aviv and danny's beats once again are going very hard beat mastered loner Um, a lot of the sound effecty stuff you can kind of seems like it's Eustace hand there, but uh, where is everybody getting its due? Kind of like not that many songs off the Fragile get a version on here. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't noticed, I'm glad that an underappreciated fave of mine gets to be on here. You know, agree. And it happens to um, sound awesome. <laughs> It takes you across like an emotional spectrum. It's so chill to start with. Mm-hmm. But it just keeps taking itself like up a notch. I think I hear like a ghost of the f- funky guitar. Taking the lyrics, chopping them and rearranging them into a new line. You like this one? Yeah. That was a reverse piano again. The queen piano again. (laughs) Happened twice on this album. Right before the beat drops in. Parallel thinking. Yeah, you think this beat goes hard, but it hasn't even started. A lot of lyric rearranging. There's the 
one of the first things we recognize is the distorted bass part from the original, but uh, chopped up a little bit. Ooh, drum fill. <laughs> I mean, drums kind of of their time, maybe. But I still like them, but I'm old. So they're doing this. Maybe that's probably Eustace doing the manipulation of the, doing the Starfuckers treatment of the, the vocals. Glitching? Yeah. Yeah. Glitched out like Clouser did on Starfuckers. I like it. A lot of vocal manipulation. Maybe it was Cooper doing that. Could be either one. For whatever reason, I feel like Loner was the beat man and <laughs> the other guys were sound effects. Changing the rhythm up a little bit on the vocals. Even more glitched out. Makes it more interesting. like the Wretched remix where the chorus is delayed until way later. Yeah, this is where it goes completely ham. <laughs> that blew my fucking mind the first time I heard it. <laughs> like, wait, it's so sped up. Nuts dying, taken out there. Another breakdown. A lot of those little sounds we're hearing, mm -hmm. similar to the frail. Okay, yeah. this is why. Taking the rhyming portion and double timing it. Nuts. Nice. Doing the robo voice. Doing the great choice. Robo great choice. Even if it dates it, once again, I don't care. I mean, even the beats are kind of jungly, right? They're kind of drum and bassy. Maybe. I'm still, I'm still not great with like what the different genres are. I'm not going to pretend that I know. Yeah, I'm not a techno expert. <laughs> yeah. I think an expert would tell us that we're misusing the term techno. Oh, definitely. Or uh, EDM? What should we say now? I don't even know. No idea. It's electronic to me. I just like it. Okay, I know I knows what I like. <laughs> I, I get down to this. Only good things to say about this version. No complaints. Love that it ends on that that bendy, distorted uh, guitar part. Thoughts? No, I don't have anything to add. I enjoy it. I am a where is everybody version enjoyer. Mm. Uh, it's kind of uh, 
just kind of chill still, even though it goes ham. Yeah, in some places, it, it's it's a weird uh, experience. Be, be both chill and ham at the same time <laughs> somehow. Yeah. I don't think I need, I guess I didn't feel the need to pull any clips. It just really speaks for itself. There was nothing that I could enhance by like isolating it poorly with AI. Are we ready to move on to metal? The, Hell yeah. The cover, the Gary Newman cover. Yeah. And one of the first things that I guess Trent did and nothing studios, right? Uh, in the, in the fragile sessions in that mm -hmm. era, one of the first yeah. things he worked on. Yeah, because I think Alan Mulder was like, there was like one song and then one of them was a cover. So it wasn't even like. Yeah, and I was thinking that's one way to get the creative juices flowing. Mm -hmm. If you have no new ideas of your own, just like start trying to recreate somebody else's work just to get the juices flowing. Yeah. I imagine that's what he was doing. Maybe he was in a writer's yeah. block. Well, that and also I think this was supposed to be on um, a Gary Newman tribute album oh. uh, called Random. But that. It did not appear on the final release that came out in 1997. I can't believe it didn't yeah. Yeah, make that. Well, maybe it wasn't quite ready. Yeah, I don't know. It took too long, maybe. Um, and it was also supposed to appear on the X-Files, the album. Um, but there have been reports that Reznor withdrew the song because Filter was included. Oh, wow. So, Petty King. They were still in the Petty era. It's okay. It's okay. Things, all are, of us. things are okay now. Yeah. We all go through our Petty eras. It's okay. Yeah. Fun fact. I was wondering who else covered this, and I discovered um, a crossover with another artist that a lot of our listeners love, uh, Poppy, yes. released this as a single in 2018. Do you have a little snippet yeah, of it? Yeah, I should, I should play a little bit of Poppy. It's a very different feel, I must say. Just that, that synth right there, that patch, very different feel. Do you think she was influenced by the Reznor version? Oh, she had to have been. Had to. Because it's claps on the offbeats. But it has more of a drum beat than the Reznor version, so. It's a little auto-tuned. I listen to plenty of music that's auto-tuned, but um, I like some of her more recent stuff better mm -hmm. not not wild about it i can't believe i didn't start by playing the original so let's just play <laughs> a little bit of the original as a baseline okay it was remastered in 2009 if you haven't heard the pleasure principle listen to the the whole thing is, is great it's really good different key Oh, I guess the claps on the upbeats is a thing that came from the original. original is kind of more like rock band sounding with the acoustic drum beat and a uh, bass guitar is very prominent not the case on trent's
cover. Also, there was something in the Meathead article about how it's not the version that you find leaked oh, online. Yeah. Um, according to the NIN Wiki, there was an early version of the cover that was partially leaked. So I guess just part of it was, um, and it was remixed and shared under various names, most often known as the Lee Completion Mix. I don't know why. But anyway, oh. I guess there were some versions floating around on what was at the time Trent Reznor's favorite um, thing, Napster. Trent and um, Lars from Metallica loved Napster. So Yeah, <laughs> I got kicked off. You got kicked off Napster? Yeah. Mm, sorry. What was it you downloaded again? Well, I had like Master of Puppets and oh. probably uh, one or two others. Mm. I think I just used it to download uh, songs by, uh, I think the group was called Vaginal Discharge. Oh, wait, weren't they from like freaking Joplin? I think so, right? <laughs> you could have just like picked up their CD <laughs> at a local gig. <laughs> I don't know if they I, were still playing I around that time. I had at least one. In 2000 or 2001. Uh, there was work. a classic song called She Had Her Period. So. Oh, my God. Local classic. music references. <laughs> Vaginal Discharge is a classic, though, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have the clip of whatever Napster thing that was, so nobody asked me. <laughs> but if you have the clip, feel free to share. I think that's all I have. We can talk about some live stuff with it after. Okay. Oh, yeah, because they did end up doing this live. Mm-hmm. bass maybe a bass guitar distorted to hell of course <laughs> little atmospheric sample that we'll get to later that adds a, a good texture to it the the pace is picked up a bit which yes. i think helps it because it it lacks the energetic drum beat like the little whisper that's over the top of his vocal. Really good vocal performance on this cover. I think that's its strong point. One of the strong points. Yeah, adds a lot of uh, drama to the vocal. You know what I mean? The sound of metal I want to be I should learn to be a man like you mm-hmm. Emotional depth What's my Mallory heart? I don't know I thought I had mistyped that Capital I... Mallory like the name Yeah Okay, that's gonna bother me Hey Brits, what's a Mallory heart? <laughs>
lot of great soundscape stuff being added. It's really interesting. Sorry, I was looking at Mallory Hart. Um, I was too, and I found this really long uh, yeah. essay. <laughs> There's so much to this concept that it can't fit in the podcast. I'm sorry, everyone. Sorry. Google Mallory Hart. Also, again, this was uh, a Trent Reznor and Alan Mulder. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A B-side, not a remix, obviously. But, no, this this track is good enough that it deserves our full attention. I really dig it. Yeah, it might be one of my favorite Nin covers. I love this, and I love Dead Souls, and I love Get Down, Make Love. Yeah, yeah I probably like this better than Dead Souls. <gasps> How dare you? I wasn't a huge Dead Souls enjoyer. You're not a big Joy Division enjoyer in general. Would you say that? Yeah, not huge on them. Yeah, like, New I mean, Order are better. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm going to like New Order better, too. They're a lot more pleasant to listen to. Okay, he's at, he makes the song way longer. At this point in the Gary Newman original, the song kind of fades out and metal is done. He's adding stuff from another Gary Newman song. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. It's like a Gary Newman mashup, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And he just lets it ride out instrumentally for, uh, let's see, how long? Um, this is uh, about seven minutes long total. Damn. Really indulgent, but still really cool. Keeps your attention. There's so much instrumentally going on. That that little synth string patch, straight out of the Newman playbook. Like that key, that ascending key there. Might be an affected piano with like some vibrato. Piggy style. Acoustic guitar. I can only assume it's Trent strumming on the acoustic, which we don't get to hear a whole lot. I like I love all the layers. It's so it's like a mournful chords here. Mm-hmm. And it almost it kind of clashes with the um, synth string part, but that fades away and the, the mournful guitar and stuff. Uh, become come to the forefront. Do you think at parties Reznor would ever whip out his acoustic and be like, "All right, guys, Wonderwall." Any, anyway, <laughs> here's Wonderwall. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the type, which is why it's unique to hear this strumming. I don't see him as a strummer. Not a Joe strummer, if you know what I mean. <laughs> clap though it really takes us through the whole seven minutes almost till the end i love a good clap i have a playlist called clap your hands say yeah that's just all my favorite claps nice i have a playlist for like almost everything gotta mention the mournful cello as well cello is huge in this era it was his drone era it was his cello era it was his pluck era (laughs) and his ukulele era yeah I like that electronic kick drum that we're still hearing thumping. It ends so sad. I guess it's never a happy song. (laughs) What's that, Blake? Saxophone. I think I only recently realized it was probably Trent playing the saxophone. Last night he yelled out, 
<laughs> saxophone transplanting the sax. I always knew it was there. I just never never thought about it. Yeah, and it really sounds like something from low mm-hmm. when that comes in, like one of the sad instrumentals off of low with sax. Mm-hmm. So a real tribute to his his influences, both Bowie and Newman here. Um, and then it fades away. We don't get a lot of fades in Nine Inch Nails, but they happen. So before you do Clips Corner, do you want to tell us about the samples that were used? Yes, or are I the do. other references to the other Gary Newman songs? Yep, I do have Clips. This is part of Clips Corner. So the, he mashes metal up with a song from the same album called M.E., Me. And by the way, Me was sampled on a uh, a little electronic dancey track that gained a little bit of traction by Basement Jacks called Where's Your Head At? (laughs) Was that on Tomb Raider? Yes. Also (laughs) on the Tomb Raider uh, soundtrack I had with Deep. I was always annoyed by this song. I'm sorry. I had the Basement Jacks album that that was on, and I maintain had some bangers. I mean, it's a bang. It's it's a banging dance track. It had some cool stuff. But I, for some reason, just it drove me crazy. If I listen now, I'd probably be like, "Yeah, this doesn't hold up." But I'm just guessing. Haven't heard it in a long time. Um, but that was the beginning of Emmy. What Reznor takes from is the end of that track. synth string patch there. This is what he copies, but in a different key. And then I never knew this sample was there until Jessica told me uh, a track called UFO by ESG. So this is what UFO sounds like. And apparently, it's like one of the most oft-sampled tracks in all of like hip-hop and R&B. There's like hundreds of songs that sample this instrumental UFO, including like Return of the Mac. Oh, yeah, okay. It's, I never knew about this. Um, So I kind of recreated what they took from UFO and put in metal. So here's what that might have sounded like. Take this this part, pitch it down. There it is in the background of metal. And I never knew. Um, and then I just had to pull out, because the vocal performance is so good and kind of unique in this song i wanted to isolate uh the second verse i need my three minutes tomorrow then you send me singing i am an american to you picture this reflection make the change i love to pull the wires from the wall did you it's getting mad 
Good anger. Backward. I like that. And who are you? And how can I try? I think it makes the melodies a little more interesting in, in his version. I think so too. Um, I like Gary Newman, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the Newman one keeps it kind of more constant yeah, the melody throughout. It definitely is. And Trent changes it up here. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's been played live. I think it was first played live on the Ninja Tour, maybe, for the first time, according to Nyan Wiki. Performed frequently during the Wave Goodbye Tour and brought back on the 2018 tour. And Gary Newman has played it with uh, Nine Inch Nails several times. Yep. I have a little clip I can play from the Cold and Black and Infinite Tour when Gary played with them. And it's worth noting they also played Cars together. Oh, yeah. Which well, is wild. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to perform with Gary Newman, you, you might as well do, do cars. cars. And Trent shaking the tambourine on Cars Live is a is a highlight for sure. Do you want me to play a little clip of it? Or? Yeah. A little more energetic here. Mm-hmm. And it's filmed really cool because it's the Cold and Black and Infinite tour. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's a professional filming. He's still got it yeah. vocally. Yeah, yeah. Still sounds like that young little bratty kid. Yeah. Man, I would have loved to be at this show. Yeah. Prince doing some cool dances. Hell, drum kit. Yep. Sounds so good. And I could groove to this for a long time. Yeah, Sorry. I could too. <laughs> Is that a movie Sound of Metal titled from this song? <laughs> I thought it was. I haven't watched the movie. I keep meaning to, but it seems so depressing that I don't want to watch it. Yeah. I feel like it would It's hit. about a drummer who loses his right. hearing. Am I correct? So it's literally my life story. <laughs> oh. um, or soon to be life story. Uh, I, I thought he was a metal drummer, like for a metal band. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know. I, I but always maybe. think I think of this song. I do too. I think that's just common. When I hear the title. They did the whole damn thing. They yep. didn't shorten it, but it's just quicker. Thank you, Gary Newman. <laughs> so that I think is all I have for metal. Ten out of ten, no notes, great cover. Yeah, great. One of the highlights of this album. Now it's time for a ten miles high version. Keith Lebrant. It's almost like the 10 miles high on the vinyl, the fragile, but tweaked by Hillebrand. Not tweaked that much, though. No, not really. Kind of the intro. I think it's mainly the intro that's different. We don't have the downward spiral homage intro that's on the vinyl record. It just begins with lilacs under ice synth thing. We were... Blasting this last night out of the living room stereo. And I was like, this does rock. I, uh, maybe I didn't 
given enough credit for rocking. Oh, no, 10 miles high rocks. It is super vibey. And I was definitely, I was stone sober, but definitely getting the stoner rock vibes off of it last night, like you've talked about. You can kind of disassociate to it. It's super repetitive, but I guess that's good for dissociation. Uh, Yes. As someone who used to enjoy gummies and disassociating. Mm. Yes. Right. Yeah, you really zone out to this. (laughs) (laughs) So, funny story. Mm -hmm. A long time ago, uh, medicinal marijuana has been legal in Missouri for a while. And my sister gave me a roll. And so this was like first year pandemic. Yeah. So I was at home by myself. And I was like, I'm going to smoke and listen to Queens of the oh, Stone Age. Yeah. So I smoked a little tiny bit because it doesn't take much. Um, and I don't like smoking. But yeah. I smoked a little tiny bit. And then I was just blasting Queens. And Blake came in and he looked at the record player and then looked I at me. I came home. And well, I could hear like Queens of the Stone Age blasting from outside the door. <laughs> it's so loud. It's like, this is not normal. <laughs> and he comes in and he looks at the record player and he kind of sniffs the air and looks at me and he goes, Jesse Ann, are you high? <laughs> It smelled like weed in there. I knew instantly. <laughs> You're blasting stoner rock. What the hell yeah, is happening? I, mean, I smelled it. And I was just dying. With edibles, you can't smell it, but there was no hiding what you were doing. <laughs> uh, and this is, I don't know how much more commentary I have. This is the third time we've covered 10 Miles High on this podcast. I will say the Fragile Era is very repetitive as far as releases go. Um, a lot of the same songs were covered previously from yeah. Halo 15, you know. Anyway, which is kind of a bummer because we know there's a lot of unreleased content that yeah. could have been used instead I mean, of the same. It's a good thing we got deviations way later. But I think what's unreleased is just sketches of things, you know, instrumentals. about getting high it's a song about getting stoned <laughs> or he's talking about climbing a mountain or something okay or flying in a, in a plane see our uh the fragile mini series where i isolate vocal stuff going on like this weird bridge with speaking of mysterious female vocals this might be the kim Pravas, but we talked about that in an earlier episode barely hear it back there still want to see it done live yeah that'd be really cool but now he's probably like oh, I, I miss my miss my window on that it's never too late Trent just like it was never too late for fashion or I'm afraid of Americans live sunspots everything it's not too late for everything. We all thought it was. I'm 
pass effect once again. So prominent in the era. Jesse Ann, are you stoned? <laughs> it's going to end the same way it ends on the vinyl version. Tear it all down with the Buddha boys. I hope that guy who yelled Starfuckers is, is on here. <laughs> Starfuckers! Could have been like Dave himself. Could have been Keith Hillebrand. That was the penultimate. We're almost to the ultimate song. We're almost there. And guess what? It's going to be another Starfuckers. Damn. The last Starfuckers. This is by Clouser, by the way. Charles Clouser, our friend of the pod. This, when I first heard this, I was like, something fucking big is coming. This is great anticipation building. By the way, a lot of this, including that kick right there, gotta be coming from the quasi-midi revolution <laughs> machine, right? <laughs> it has that sound of 90s rave music. But I love the, the way it uses the etherealizes the bridge of Starfuckers more so than it already was. It has this thumping four on the floor bass that just says something is coming. It's building this. It's, it, what it builds to is completely not what I expected. <laughs> it builds to a complete uh, noise explosion. This is an this is an almost entirely instrumental Starfuckers version. I still like this better than the Sherwood one because this one keeps my interest throughout. vibing this one really is a vibe especially this part super bit crushed but it's the bit crushed revolution lots of these random all of the place effects on this album. I don't know if this is like the Starfuckers beat rearranged or if it's wholly original. It's hard to say. <laughs> I think if you're going to end on something, this is the one to end on. We almost get some lyrics, mm -hmm. but not quite. 
robo voice, of course. There we go. Title that super uh, robo voice. That's hard to even comment because it's just electro noise vibes, you know? Did you see this on a saw score? <laughs> I kind of could. <laughs> them out even further than he already did. Not very melodic. This one is mostly based around drums mm -hmm. and noise. And then it just sort of ends. It peters out and it dies. A little electronic death there with a little stutter, which I think is a fine way to end this noisy album. I agree. Uh, okay. So before we do our ratings, I want to read a little review. So this oh boy. this re uh, album was mostly panned. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But were they not, again, were they like, trying to take it as its own. I don't know. I don't really think that remix album should necessarily be reviewed because I do feel like there's something for hardcore fans. Yeah, you can't review it like normally. Mm -mm. <laughs> like it doesn't stand on its own. Really, I mean, it does a little bit, but you kind of need the source material. Yeah. So uh, this review comes from NME, uh, Trent Reznor's favorite music magazine. They love him. <laughs> They're best friends. The, the only feud worse than the pitchfork thing. Yeah. So this is short. It's not very long, so I'll just read it. You can't do like you did with the pitchfork. No, this is not very long. Half an it's hour. literally okay. like five paragraphs or something. Okay. There are clubs if you'd like to go, and believe me, you wouldn't, where they would love this record, where these <laughs> manipulations, that's remixes to you, of Nine Inch Nails' The Fragile would fill the dance floor with angry cider-drinking goths. Why cider? Do goths drink cider? Was that a thing in the 90s or something? Yeah. My, if, if it's a thing, I don't know about it. I don't, I don't go either. to golf clubs. I don't either. Just let us know. Why are they angry? Probably because every Saturday night they have to listen to The Prodigy, Death Metal, Frigid Drill and Bass, and Dance Records intent on merging Wagner and Belgian New Beat. Now, Why is Death Metal thrown in there? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, let's not get off on the wrong foot. This is obviously the best Nine Inch Nails album ever, mainly because it contains much less Trent Reznor, although sadly, not none at all. 
You're one of us, the wretched, he sneers with that trademark, an incredibly off-putting, stylized mixture of self-pity slash self-loathing. But Trent doesn't just hate himself, you know, as Starfucker Inc. proves. Yeah, that's right. They said Starfucker Inc. Oh, wow. Singular. <laughs> Get he it hates right. Starfuckers, too. Could he possibly be talking about Courtney Love, you wonder, for about nine seconds before realizing that actually you couldn't give a shit? <laughs> Who wrote this again? Uh, I think his name was Tom Naylor. Um, Nailer? N-A-Y. N-A-Y. (laughs) Musically, Trent's trying, bless him, but in a bit of an insane way. A man who's taken Atari Teenage Riot on tour. Trent is clearly, and this is something I don't think it translated correctly. Like the, I think the um, characters are wrong because it's it's French. Um, And I don't know exactly what they're trying to say, but... Okay. Anyway, with the matter fringes of European electronica, the versions of Slipping Away, New Track, The Great Collapse, and a cover of Gary Newman's Metal, insert your own cre- incredulous remark here, remixed by Reznor and Alan Mulder, bristle with distorted beats, glitches, and scronks. Um, scronks. <laughs> I like scronks. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think incredulous, meaning like, oh, like in a sarcastic way, like, oh, really? Covering Gary Newman? Okay. Um, but like, I, why do you need to be like that? I don't know. Unfortunately, they're also big on turning guitars, slick, scary FX, the atmosphere of damp prison cells, and gray passages of electronic rock that could easily have been made at any time since 1982. Elsewhere, Adrian Sherwood goes all DJ Scud and ruins it inevitably with crap metal riffage. There are bursts of stern, ravey, hardcore light, swampy industrial and bass, and and Keith Hillebrand's take on 10 Miles High, what sounds like, His well... take on it. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails being recorded underwater. Benelli's recasting... A low-pass filter, you mean? This person just has no concept of the art of recording. (laughs) I don't know. No concept of anything. Doesn't understand what's going on. They're reviewing an album that they clearly don't even understand what's going on. Here's something interesting. They agreed with me about one thing. Benelli's recasting of The Frell as a collaboration between Michael Nyman? Michael Nyman. An Aphex Twin is the truly great moment. I do think okay. that's a really great moment. Okay. Slagging off this record, however, will only feed Reznor's paranoia. It could even encourage him to make another one. A 10 out of 10 then, definitely. <laughs> so they gave it a sarcastic 10 out of 10. You can't, I don't know if it, how serious this publication is, but you can't give a sarcastic good, good rating. Well, no, but. It's just seen, it sounds like a person who is maybe 17 writing this. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes people are like, let's take down the big bad rock star. But they're not even doing that well. Like, it's not well written on its face. That's what makes me think it's a, a young, as someone who, who is new at this, new at music criticism. Maybe that's the case here. Maybe. I don't know. There's just a lot of snark in the 90s and the aughts. Yeah, what a what a shitty um, time. It's a weird time. People were like ironic, and then you'd be like, "Are you serious or ironic?" And you'd be like, "Shit, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I really don't." I think that's a Simpsons. That joke. is from the Simpsons. Yeah. No, I just don't. There's nothing I can't. I can't criticize the review because it's it's like it's not even wrong. It's past the point of being wrong. Like it's just misguided. I think it's just a bad attempt at humor. I don't know. It, well, yeah, it has to be funny. Like if. You have to be funny is the thing. That's the only rule. If you're trying to do humor, you actually have to be funny. I don't know. Make fun of his outfits or something. <laughs> Even that would be pretty hackneyed by this point. But didn't reviewer did not understand the assignment. I don't know. I just 
hate how goths are always an easy target in these reviewers' minds, and they also seem to think that's all who listens to Nine Inch Nails are just yeah. But they don't they don't understand what goth subculture is. No, clearly. Okay, so I don't want to go on and on about that, (laughs) but our rating, Blake, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, So we rate every Halo in inches out of nine, and I gave it nine inches. Nine out of nine. Mm-hmm. Despite it's, it's very important three to me. remixes of Star Fox. I don't. I like two, and I like one of them a lot. But as I said from the beginning, you can't fault me for my perfect rating Mm-mm. because I was biased from the beginning, Bi- full bias on display. That's right. We it, never claim to not be it biased. It meant a lot to me. And it holds up. That's the thing. There are records that meant a lot to me when I was young that don't hold up. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised to find that this one did. But what what'd you give it? Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5 inches out of 9. I mean, I think it's good. Uh, I love Slipping Away. I love the frail version so much. Um, and Metal. Uh, those are my top three tracks. The Great Collapse would come in like in fourth probably. Okay. Um, but uh, I really love those. Slipping Away, The Frail, those are probably two of my favorite ever Nine Inch Nails remixes, yeah. along with um, Eraser uh, Polite, which no one seems to like but me, but whatever. Um, I like it. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I love the cover of Metal, but uh, too much Starfuckers. Just way too much Starfuckers. Um, I feel like there are so many songs that could have been done. Um, yeah. And I think that's actually what our next Patreon bonus will be. I would like for um, our patrons to write in and share with us what songs they wished would have been remixed. For me, the number one is probably The Big Come Down. We talked about this last night. I think yeah, that would be such a good, good song to remix. It's just... As far as I know, there's no remix exists. Unless there's fan remixes, probably exist, obviously. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is if you could replace the – we'll leave one Starfuckers version on there. But if you could replace two two songs, two versions, what Starfuckers version would you keep? And then what two songs would you replace it with? And it could be any songs from the Fragile era. Yeah. And if you want to get rid of all Starfuckers versions, you can. Just you can. Wh- which ones were left out and – if there are remixes, even fan mixes that we don't know about, if you made one, mm-hmm. let us know. Yep. Send it and tell us. I want to know everyone's like favorites and least favorites off of this. But yeah, which because there's 23 tracks on the Fragile, very few of them made it onto this, obviously. But Big Come Down has got to be toward the top of my list. That'd be such a good one. I also think Complication because it's got that cool. Uh, it. it Made it into complications of the that's flesh. That's true. That's true. There, it did make it into a mashup. So you're right. Um, and I even said even deeper last night when we were talking. So yeah, I I, I would make it like even deeper. So chill. I I would maybe make it like more and a more exciting. Yeah, vibe. it's chill and sparse. So I feel like you could do a lot yeah. with it. I wanted to ask you favorite because you listed your top three, but could you pin it down to one favorite and one least favorite? Well, we know your least favorite is. Sherwood Starfuckers, is that yeah, right? Yeah, I would go with the Sherwood Starfuckers as my least favorite. Probably my favorite is the Frail version. Okay. I think it's 
lovely and surprising and unexpected and just a very interesting take on the remix. And now I'm like, oh, duh, it might have been inspired by that New Order remix that I hate, but this is done way better. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's it's like you said, it's like almost like a new song. I mean, it was completely yeah. new. So like a cover. It's a it's a cover basically, mm-hmm. rather than a remix. Yeah, I just think it's really really good. My favorite is Slipping Away. <laughs> the the album's front loaded. But yeah, easily slipping away. Amazing. Least favorite Sherwood's version of Starfuckers. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there, there's nothing I dislike on here, actively dislike other than the Sherwood Starfuckers. And that I don't even I don't even super actively dislike. I'm just not that interested. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna bump my rating up to an eight. Yeah, okay. I think we need to I don't I don't do halves as a rule. I make myself land on a whole. Yeah. I don't want to be a withholding prick like a pitchfork I mean, reviewer. I'm still not over how they gave Lana's Norman fucking Rockwell a 9.8. Like, what the so fuck? Dumb. Just give it what a is, 10. What is the point to that's I don't keeping know. you from... Why are you so withholding? It's stupid. Anyway, it's an 8. You could have given it a 7. That I, I just wanted uh, you to round. If it's a 0.5, I round up. Okay. You always round up. Well, you got to have a reason to. Uh, I'm going to round up because of the frail version. Okay. <laughs> This album gets a lot of goodwill from me. I mean, I'm not giving it a 13 or because it's a remix album and not, you know, masterpiece that is the fragile or whatever, but I I can't detract anything from it. Yeah, it might be my favorite remix album so far. Yeah, it, it, it as I said, it's mine so far. We'll see. Okay. okay. So, Let's move on and take care of a couple of items of business here. One of them is our Patreon exclusive uh, contest. So we had a patron who donated a really cool prize, that prize being a um, Help Me, I'm in Hellfest t-shirt. Yeah, every month we do a contest to win um, a piece of merch. It may be nailed merch or official Nine Inch Nails merch. Yep. So I asked the patron who donated the shirt if they would want to think of the contest for it and they came up with um this is a hypothetical situation in which let's simplify it <laughs> name name a hypothetical resner child thank you i was gonna get into a weird story yeah mode. we don't need to do that. look we've been recording for three hours yeah, I, now we, we need i'm to, a little tired we don't want to lose people so name the new resner child so we had patrons name Hypothetical Resner Child. I will read the list of names, but we also asked this patron if they would pick the winner. And we asked them not to look at the Patreon channel. And I trust them that they didn't. And we sent them the list of suggested baby names and they picked the winner. So, okay, how about I read the name and you read the person who submitted it? Okay. Okay. Ziggy Stardust Resner. <laughs> Submitted by BBBBBB. Yes, that's what the name is. <laughs> Next one, Elizabeth Woolridge Grant Resner. Anywho, I'm yeah. seeing Local H on Friday. Fast shaking dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that by Rooker. Rooker. Moving on. <laughs> okay, next is Anafrio Bauhaus Resner. Very good. Thank you, Jack, for that one. That one made me laugh. Onafrio. <laughs> Should have been dinner with Jeff Resner. <laughs> Jeff Resner. Okay. Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Resner. Nice. Thank you, Jamie. Darkness Dementia is a reference to something, I think. And I feel like I've heard it, but I forgot. Sorry, 
I'll have to be reminded what the reference is. Do you know? Not off the top of my head. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, Corinne Teen Reznor. <laughs> teen is spelled T-E-A-N. Thank you, Jim, for that one. <laughs> sounds sounds like quarantine. Quarantine yep. Reznor. Quarantine okay. Reznor. Born in quarantine, maybe. They did have a quarantine baby. That's right. They did. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one, I'm gonna totally f yeah, up the we, pronunciation. How are we supposed to pronounce this? Come on. Okay. A bez. Okay. Hold on. Abezithibu. Wait, that's Abe- horrible. Try that. You try Abe's, it. Like- Abezithibu Zezbeth. It's just a bunch of letters <laughs> by Siggy. Ah, nice. Thank you, Siggy. Okay, next one. I'm going to totally. More fuck. more unpronounceable. Not unpronounceable, but uh, for us. <laughs> I don't know if this is Aus Usoking or Us Usoking Mandig Maybe Reznor. Us. Us Usoking. Mandig Reznor mm-hmm. by AJ. Thank you. Thank you, AJ. Okay. Uh, Slam an anvil on my child. Cold cut remix Mandig Reznor. <laughs> I do like a parenthetical mm-hmm. ver- version uh, on the name. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Asher, for that one. <laughs> I think Asher also had a, uh, in the actual Discord, uh, put a joke name that involved the revolution. I can't uh, remember it. That'd be good. Yeah, it was funny. Next one. Oh, dissonance pig in quotation marks. Swarmatron Reznor. I like, that's one of my favorites. Because O apostrophe dissonance is great. That was submitted by John. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Xerxes Genesis Reznor or Halo 35. Hey, I like Halo 35. Sub- submitted by Ryan. Kind of like, um, uh, like Blue Ivy. Like um, ah, like a self, uh, like blue number four, uh-huh. blueprint number four, like Jay Z mm-hmm. and Beyonce did. Yeah, like a self-referential little baby name. Okay, uh, next, Carissa. I'm sorry, try that again. Carixa. Carixa Delphine Bell Resner. I like Carixa. I think that's Carixa. a cool I've name. I've never heard that. I haven't either, but I like it. Submitted by Jody. Ah, okay. Uh, next one. <laughs> Moog Korg Reznor. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Moog Korg. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would name my kid that. Uh, submitted by Joseph. I would allow you to name a cat that, but not a child. Oh, okay. Next cat name is Moog. <laughs> Next one. Rent Tresner Reznor. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Submitted by Johnny. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Uh, next one. Raxmin Reznor. Raxmin Reznor. Raxmin. Reminds me of Rex Manning. Submitted by Aaron. Ah, thank you, Aaron. If it's a boy, spots, sunspots. Get it? <laughs> Sun spots. S-O-N. Thank you, babe with the power. Good, <laughs> good goof. Does sound like a babe with the power kind of mm-hmm. joke. Next one. Okay. <laughs> this is one of my faves. Aretha Tifa. <laughs> Aretha Tifa. <laughs> That's good. Christian, thank you. Thank you, Christian. Uh, next one. Mankiewicz Reznor. <laughs> Another favorite. <laughs> we need a Mank Reznor. Mm-hmm. We need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Thank submitted you. that one. That's good. And the last one, Chris Farley Reznor. And then there's like some emojis mm-hmm. like given the hang, hang, hang loose tent, yeah. and fire emoji. I don't know what that's all about, but okay, Chris Farley. Sure, why not? Thank you, Alex. Maybe a big Chris Farley fan. We don't know. Okay. All right. So, What, who, what was the winner that was picked? Well, first I'll name some favorites so I can get everyone's hopes up and then dash them. So uh, one that the listener liked a lot was Odissonance Pig Swarmatron Reznor. Um, 
said got the biggest laughs, but they judged on a different way. We told them to judge however they wanted. Funniest, because, best, most realistic, yeah, whatever. These con- we've done a lot of contests where mm-hmm. it's funniest. Not everyone is a comedian. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be funniest going forward. That's right. So our listener who donated the prize uh, named Xerxes Genesis Resner or Halo 35 as the winner. So I think that's a good, yeah. Because yeah. we, we got biblical, we got weird and we got some sci-fi e kind of elements yeah yeah great reference to the halo system mhm so the patron who submitted that is Ryan last name withheld you'll thank be you, getting Ryan. your thank you Ryan you'll be getting your shirt in the mail post haste mhm and Blake how can people sign up for our patreon patreon.com/nailedpod merch contests like this every month Discord community access, um, a growing back catalog of bonus episodes. And if you subscribe at the Great Destroyer level, uh, you get to choose a topic for a bonus app. Yeah, and we're going to be doing some listener-picked topics mm-hmm. in between Fragile and With Teeth eras mm-hmm. while we kind of take a break between eras. We'll mm-hmm. be doing listener picks That's right. in the bonus feed. So... Then, like I said, our next bonus up for patrons, uh, definitely just send us your picks for things falling apart. Um, I think our Nintern suggested that in one of our private chats, and I think that's a great idea. The main question is, what deserved to be remixed off of the Fragile that maybe was not? Yes. Um, So send that to Blake. Where can they send that? Nailedpod at gmail.com. Everything is Nailedpod, Instagram, Twitter. Yes. But- Try to keep it to our email so we can keep them all in one spot and not overlook anyone if you're sending in a response. And our next main feed app, we're going to be starting Halo 17. So we're going to do the CD Holy version shit. of And All That Could Have Been. Yep. And then after that, the DVD uh, concert movie and then mm-hmm. the fan favorite That's and personal fave still. That's right. So um, we have more bonus ups to come. I think Katie and I are going to do another fashion up. Um, I want to do Art of the Fragile, so go more in depth on the art. And uh, forget Into the Void music video. Into the Void music video. The best music video ever made. And possibly the uh, Chicago recordings that inspired still. Ah, yes. Mm Got to talk about those. Yep. So... That's all I got. Um, as usual, thank you to our intern, Christopher G. Brown, and to our, our in-house artist, artist <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Snell. Snell. Uh, any, and also, thank you to all our patrons. Yeah, thank, and uh, thank you, patrons and all listeners, obviously. Mm-hmm. Whether you can pay or not, we, we really appreciate we all the support. We want you here. Uh, nailedpod.com, all our stuff is there. Told you this was going to be a super episode. <laughs> Sorry about the length, although some, if you're still with us, actually still <laughs> listening, you are one of the people who likes the long episodes. Many people tell me they do. Yeah. So. Sorry, they've been kind of short lately, but hope, this will make up for it. Hope we, Yeah, I know. They, they do. I feel bad when they're short, but some people like it short. Hope we kept you company on a three-hour long walk or something. <laughs> Walking the dog, doing chores. Flight. Um, flight. I, someone listened to us on a flight. They said we were good for that recently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's not keep them any longer. We'll see you next week, I guess, uh, in two weeks for the main feed. Thanks, everyone. That was Halo 16. Didn't that make you feel better? <laughs> <laughs>